It's finally the end of the year. 2021 felt like a long drag, that's for sure, and I didn't think this day would come. I hope you all tried to do your best to stay sane this year, and thank you for joining me in the swamp and listening to all of these scary stories, and sending in your stories if you did so. As always, if you have a story to send in, send it on in at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. This is going to be a nice long compilation of some of my favorite cryptid stories I shared this year. Some of these may be new to you, and some of them may be old. Either way, I hope you enjoy them. Thanks again for joining me all year long, and I'll see you again soon with some new scary stories. Be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't, and get ready for some allegedly true and downright creepy cryptid encounter horror stories. I went on vacation in Northern Europe with my grandfather, as he had taken people there before. When I left the States, I did some research on the mythicism of the people. A generous preponderance of it was concerning trolls, and so I did an expansive investigation touching on the topic of trolls. I listened to the podcast of Swamp Dweller and others. Anyway, my grandfather was remarkably kind and when I requested to investigate Troller's Gill, he granted it without equivocation. We had countless fun experiences while in the United Kingdom. Resting in peace, Grandpa. Anyhow, on the route to Apple Treewick, we stopped at Tesco Petrol Station. We convened a couple of quite charming chaps there, one appearing to be somewhere in their mid-thirties, and the other looking somewhere in his sixties. The more youthful fellow had ginger hair and was wearing a corduroy parka. The mature individual possessed a full head of lustrous silver hair and had an extremely crisp Norwegian accent. They inquired where we were going. I simply replied, Troller's Gill. The more adult one shifted to the ginger and his peepers went wide. The redhead discerned that he was surprised that we would be going there and his eyes went wide. The pair then both stared at me and my grandpa with shock. The old guy said something about a dog beast in German, and the other looked to my grandfather and declared, Troller's gill is shamed for the devil dog brute. Anyone who beholds him perishes shortly after. We both presumed he was ribbing, and I understand it seems cliche, but I was honestly sort of creeped out. But I downed a strawberry Miranda in the truck, which set me in a kindred spirit. Once we arrived, I spontaneously sensed an uncomfortable, eerie presence. The presence of an omnipotent presence. We advanced along the path, and I began to overhear some echoing, clanging clamors up ahead. We continued moving along and hiked up to the summit of a large hill. We sat there and let dew soak into the rear of our trousers, and snacked on granola, taking occasional swigs of our Red Bull. We took in the view of the Grand Chasm, and the fragrance of moist earth moss, and fungi. We inhaled with contentment. The light, barely lucid fog sent along with the essence of stone and cold rain. The tempestuous, storm clouds refined the sunlight of the setting day star through themselves, tinting the cumulus bodies of deep, brilliant azure. My sagacious grandfather understood and discerned this to be the mark of dusk and clarified to me that it was growing late. 
we did not possess any watches amidst us, or any device concerning time for that matter. We had left them behind in the truck as a way to get away from those things. We coveted the lavish impact of this sight I had been so eager to experience. We just hunkered down there for a few more moments. We both grasped the truth that we ought to leave shortly, but we both wordlessly chose to relax there for just a few more minutes. My stare trailed up from the crevice up to the elegant sky. As I was mounting up the resolution to indicate that we had to get on our way, my prepubescent brain did not want to leave. As I transcribed this, I realized that it presumably had to do with the pubescence and more of the repugnant entity toying around amidst my subconsciousness. While we irrevocably got up and started preparing to leave, we both heard what sounded like a howling. We both gazed down into the crevice and then overheard a hushed growl much closer to our position. I peered into the mysterious chasm, the surging, writhing umbra taunting me, spurring my hormone-ridden cerebrum. I was frozen in terror. I underwent profound coercion to attend my grandfather, and the moment I did, he cried out in fear. He pointed down to the gorge, and I looked downhill. I didn't detect anything, yet still, the petty child within me was even more panicked as I observed my tough old grandpa getting that frightened, and not being there for him, nearly simultaneously, my grandpa and I bolted, and at that instant, it seemed like he was running quicker than me. As we ran along the trail, the clinking and clanking accompanied us at a comfortable pace, almost like the beast was tantalizing us. Now, tears began streaming down my face, seemingly burning my cheeks. I glanced at my grandpa, and he glanced at me. We were both scared out of our wits. We made it to the security of our truck, my soft weeping drastically converted into heavy sobbing. Once I was done with my tearful sitting, the flesh below my eyes was stinging so sorely that I felt like a weeping anew. According to my grandfather, there were amazingly extrinsic tear streaks under my eyes, a dull maroon edge on a formless path, the body of the line paler than my skin hue. When I spoke, to him regarding our encounter, I inquired about what he was pointing at in the gloomy chasm. He told me these exact words and I quote, A dark furred wolf, as heavy as a bear, with tusk like a hog and fangs like a viper. His eyes, his eyes were broad saucers, charged with fire, and his embers stung me. As he uttered this description to me, it was almost idyllic. For some reason, his words had an immeasurable effect on me. I don't have a photogenic memory, but for some reason I can recite the complete bit off the top of my head every single time, with no consideration or hesitation. Like the place had a lasting mark on me. I might go back there someday. I can't grasp what I will do. There were only two material things I took home with me from that monster, but you surely couldn't label it as evidence. A tear in my beloved sweater, now I normally go with the flow, but for some reason, it made my heart stop. I suddenly broke into a cold sweat. I originally noticed it when I was on the way back. I was tensely fiddling with the finger breath of my attire. It was dark at this point, and I was doing everything I could to hold my gaze away from the ditches on the side of the road. My imagination was waiting for me there, 
with a knife behind its back. I sensed something burning me, and I tore my hand away from the sweater. I noticed a tear, and I somehow associated it that it was ripped with teeth. Not hominid teeth, but something sharper. My grandfather didn't discern my pain. It was dark, and he was concentrating on more significant matters like driving. The other item was driven into the sole of my shoe, a rusted black link from a chain. I don't understand the importance of this article, but I believe there is something peculiar concerning it. Thank you, Swamp, for sharing my story if you do. It was Reforger 1976, and I was separated from others that were with me in the forest of southern Germany. It was in September, so it was still like summer. Sometimes it would rain, but at that time it was hot. They moved me to a railhead for what reason I did not know. The army logic is beyond reason sometime. At this, they had a lot of tanker trucks, and these trucks looked to be abandoned as I walked by them. It was strange to see them like that, I thought. At night, we had to sleep in the hallway on the floor, and that night I fell asleep very fast because I was very tired, and it had been a very long day. Later that night, I woke up, but I was not in the same place where I fell asleep. This had me disoriented, as I was unfamiliar with my surroundings. I was suddenly awake and walking into a small town. Now I had heard of this town before. It was known as a school town, which had nothing but girls and women living in it. I heard a voice in my head, telling me that a self-propelled howitzer was lost, and they were looking for it. I had to find it, and for whatever reason I knew details about the situation. It was a medieval-looking town with cobblestone streets that looked like an old vampire movie location. At this point, I was not looking for the howitzer in this town because it was way off the beat and pass that no person with the right mind would travel to this location. It was primitive, to say the least. I was in Germany for two and a half years. I went to places near the east and west border that looked like cave people lived in there. There was a mound of dirt and doors. This town reminded me of ancient Europe, but they still had houses where people lived. This town was so far off the highway that I was angry because they sent me here. I could not believe my eyes. There was the track, and it was abandoned. There was nobody manning the track. A thought came to me was that it was a town full of women, so the crew might have taken off with them. So I decided to start looking for them. I started knocking at the doors of the buildings around, trying to find the missing crew. A blonde woman answered the door, and she asked me in. I started to talk to her, and we got to know each other, and then one of her friends came in with the blonde woman and started to ask me if I wanted to stay the night because it was getting late, and it was far from any army units. I think she was also lonely and wanted somebody to spend the night with her. Lucky me, I was in the country only a few months, and I was in a town full of only women, and one invited me to stay. This was one adventure that I could talk about. Remember, life is an adventure, one after another. I thank God because, to me, he is the one that puts things in your life and makes it more interesting. The blonde woman talks broken English, so she never gave me her name, and she started talking to her friend in German, and her friend got angry. They looked like they were going to fight. Her friend was a dirty blonde who stood up 
about five foot seven. They were both at each other's necks. They were wearing jeans, and I did not remember their tops. I don't remember if they were wearing shoes or not either. I guess the details are not very important. I start to go into the bedroom to get some sleep. I later fall asleep, and I believe the blonde woman and her friend come in walking in the room. She looks at me like she wanted something. Remember, this time was nothing but woman, but she may have not have seen a man for a long time. So I got up to hug her. She was around 7 to 10 feet away, and then I felt something hit my face. The only light that was coming into the room was barely even shining any light for me to see. I rubbed my face and look at what it was. The color was red as blood. There was no other person in the room but me and her, and it started to look like she was falling apart. Part of her body was flying everywhere. The shock of seeing this left me trying to figure out what was going on. Was I caught in a dream? Was I caught in some sort of delusion? What was happening? There was nobody standing that could have done this. She was standing in front of the door, and light was hitting her, and there was nobody standing next to her. It was like a spirit was hacking her with a knife. So my thoughts got back to me, and the first thing I thought was to run out. I gathered my clothes and ran as fast as I could. I had my M16 but no ammo, not even a bayonet, so I could protect myself if it came down to it. I could use my rifle as a club, but as far as I could tell, I could not see the creature. So I got dressed and decided to go see if I could find the howitzer again, to see if I could get something like a radio, but I never used one, so I did not even know how to turn it on. I was still a recruit, barely even in a year, yet I still need to learn more. When I started to hear my name being called out, someone was screaming my name, and I was still in the track. Then it jumped and hit hard because it shook the track and knocked me off my feet. I was on the floor. Then I saw it. It was a lizard. A humanoid lizard creature, standing around seven foot tall. It sounded angry for some reason, and it was coming straight for me, with red glowing eyes and brown scaly skin. It hit the track hard, so that it left a dent in it. After I got it started again, my thoughts were back on track. I was trying to make a plan to get away from whatever this thing was. I focused, and I started to notice its movements, and it lunged at me again. But this time my mind was ready, and it didn't knock me down. But I knew where and when it was going to do it again. So I picked up my rifle, and used it like a sword and it went right through it. Then whatever this thing was disappeared. I had to learn one important lesson, is mental energy does not affect your environment. I don't know what happened that night. I ended up getting back outside Nuremberg and being safe. I got to my home base that afternoon, and I had to talk to the company commander. He asked me why I was so late, but I didn't tell him about this lizard person. I've seen this creature for several nights now on my way to and from work. The first couple of times I just saw the reflection of its eyes by the side of the road before it skitters away out into the woods. At one time I saw it peeking its head over the side railings along the dark mountain road I drive home on. If I were to try to describe the creature, I would say that it's about 40 to 50 centimeters tall with a big round head and large green eyes reflecting the lights from the car. 
It looks like a small monkey, but without a tail. And I think it has dark brown or black hair that covers its body and head. The thing is that there are no wild animals in Sweden that are known to fit this description. My best theory is that it is a troll of some sort, maybe even a goblin. I've heard many stories of goblins in Swedish folklore that live in the woods and in burrows along creeks, but I never thought that I would see one, or at least I think it's a goblin. But that is only a theory. It's the only thing that makes sense, or as much sense as it can. It's hard sometimes to believe your own eyes when you're faced with something you never thought you'd see, or something you didn't even think could exist. At first I thought it was a cat or something, maybe some other small animal, because the first time I saw it, I only saw the eyes. Thinking of a cat in this situation is something any rational person would think. However, as I saw more and more of it, I seriously started to doubt that it was a cat. Today, as I was driving home on the same road, my doubts were proven right, to my dismay. I saw it sitting on the side of the road, just as I came around a bend and had to brake as hard as I could. When the car came to a screeching halt, the creature was probably no more than four meters from my car, and I could see its eyes staring right at me. I became paralyzed by fear, and I could feel my heart pumping in my chest. It just sat there for what felt like a minute or two, just staring at me with those big, green eyes, like it was trying to figure out what to do next. Then it turned around and ran into the woods and I lost sight of it. Honestly, I'm not sure how long I was there, but I sat there for a while, trying to understand what I had just seen, but I could not wrap my head around it. I do not think I will be sleeping much for the next few nights. I will probably just think about that creature, and if I will see it again, I'm not sure what I am seeing, but I'm pretty sure that it's a troll or something like that. There are many stories about trolls and goblins living in the forest around here, and if anybody's encountered something similar in Sweden or in any other country, please share your experiences or knowledge about what it might be. I'm genuinely curious to know if any other swamp dwellers have any theories or potential sightings. I'm a big fan of horror stories. There's nothing better than sitting home on a cold, rainy day listening to allegedly true horror stories wrapped tight in a giant blanket pretending to be a human burrito. But listening to these stories on Swamp Dweller's show and experiencing them is a road I never wish to cross again. I, myself, am an 18-year-old dude from a small country in Europe. I have a good body build from all those years in the gym and an excess amount of protein. I've lived my life in the biggest cities in my country, but I have never shied away from going to the countryside to get a bit of that countryman life. So, in the summer of 2019, I and two of my friends, Martin and a guy everybody called Wolf, decided to go binge drinking in a log cabin that was located some 35 miles from the nearest city. It doesn't seem that far, but none of us had driver's licenses at the time. So, at about 7pm, we hopped on a train and went to the woods. 
from where we had to walk about three miles to the glorious two-story log cabin. Inside, on the ground floor, there was a kitchen and a bedroom. Upstairs, on the second floor, there was a small hallway which led to another bedroom with separate beds. I and Wolf established our presence in the second floor bedroom, and Martin settled down in the ground floor bedroom, like the little loner he is. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. We were prepping food and drinks, listening to music, never minding that we were in the middle of the woods, miles away from the nearest civilization. But we had lots of drinks and snacks. So what else would we need, am I right? About a half a mile away from the cabin, there was this massive pond. After a couple of beers, we went there, thinking we could go for a swim. But seeing the unnaturally dark water and a little forest of reeds, we decided that it probably was not worth getting rashes from the dirty water or cutting our legs on whatever litter might be roaming on the bottom, and we made our way back to the cabin. The evening was extraordinarily beautiful and peaceful. The red and purple sky was stunning, accompanied by the giant bonfire we made for the night full of marshmallow roasting and drinking. When the nighttime came, we were quick to drink, and it was about 1 a.m., we were all in a good state of drunkenness, some more than others because Martin was already passed out in his folding chair. Wolf and I carried him to his room and put him in his bed, leaving all the doors wide open. Everything outside was pitch black, and our smart asses didn't bring a flashlight. But with one friend sleeping and us getting bored, we decided to walk back to that pond we went to previously and make a small campfire. But as we got near the trail that leads to the woods, we heard leaves crunching and twigs snapping, like somebody was quickly walking just behind the trees about 30 feet in front of us. We quickly stopped. Wolf whispered, Hey, I think someone's there. It can't be. It's a private territory. Must be the wind or something, I said. Being quite drunk and actively brave, I loudly shouted, If there's someone there, put your freaking hands up in the air. Yeah, very mature, I know. But then, the sound stopped. It was as if whatever was making those sounds was never even there. Not being able to see because of the darkness, we got a bit creeped out and started to walk back towards the cabin, talking about how funny it would be if somebody lifted their hands in the air after saying that. But what I heard then made my heart sink. From inside of the cabin... We heard an ear-piercing scream. It was Martin. We rushed to the entrance of the cabin. Then we saw it. A pale, gray-skinned humanoid creature. It was probably about five feet tall with disproportionately long arms and webbed fingers. Its legs were bent backwards and were super skinny. The face had two giant black eyes and a mouth that was open, showing a row of long, pointy teeth. The creature was holding Martin's leg, while he was screaming inhumanly loud. I never thought a human could produce such a high-pitched scream. The thing had to run past us at some point and get out of the cabin. So I was scared and wanted to pee myself. We had to somehow get past this thing to get inside. Thinking quickly, we picked the biggest pieces of firewood and started throwing it at the creature. We both missed, but luckily it let go of Martin's leg and jumped back into the forest. We quickly dragged Martin back inside, closed all of the doors and windows, 
locking ourselves in the second floor bedroom, backs pressed against the door. Martin's leg was pretty badly scratched. We poured vodka on the wound and DIY bandaged his leg. The rest of the night we heard scratching at the entrance and the windows. We were afraid it would break the windows and get inside, but to our luck, it never did. At one point, the scratching stopped, so Wolf went to the window and checked if it was gone, but to his horror, it was standing outside the window, looking straight at him. When the sun came up, we checked through all the windows for the creature. It looked like it was gone. We had to get out of the woods. After a couple of hours of being absolute scared out of our mind, we finally grew a pair and started running as fast as we could. The journey to the train station was the longest of my entire life. I was afraid to see that creature again, but we managed to get home safe. We've never told anybody what we saw. Nobody believed us. I never really believed in those scary stories that I used to listen to either. The creature was similar looking to the Dover Demon, but not quite exactly. I still do not know why the creature didn't attack me and Wolf. Maybe it saw Martin as easy prey while he was in his drunken state, but I'm happy it all ended safely. I think the creature came from that pond. Those webbed hands indicate that the creature is semi-aquatic, so whether I'm right or wrong, I'm super glad that we didn't go for a swim there. It could have ended so much worse if it had. In the early winter of 1996, I was dating a girl from the Tonto Apache Reservation in Payson, Arizona. After leaving the reservation sometime around 3am in the morning, I had a right hand turn from the res to go back into town, before the stoplight and big casino were built there. And I saw the scariest thing I have ever seen in my lifetime. Off to my right, out of the big ditch just on the edge of the headlights, I saw a very strange and intimidating creature. The creature looked like a man at first, but I quickly learned it was nothing of the sort. This thing slowly walked from the right-hand shoulder of the road to the center of the right lane, right in front of me. It slowly walked across in front of me, staring at me the entire time, looking straight into my eyes. This thing had the body and torso of a well-developed man, yet it was covered in fur that of which resembled the fur of a coyote or maybe a wolf. The torso was muscular, and then I noticed that this creature did not walk on normal legs. It had legs that were similar to a deer, and it walked on hooves. Lastly, I noticed the creature had a head the size of a man, but it had a small snout like a coyote snout, dog ears, and eyes that were very piercing and illuminating a grayish-blue color. These eyes were not of human origin, I can say that confidently. Remember, this was 3am in the morning, and before the lights of the big casino or the street lights in the southern Payson area were put in. Its eyes literally glowed, and it stared at me as it then made its way into the second left-hand lane. It again stopped and stared at me as I slowly drove by. The whole time I had eye contact with this thing. I must add that even though this incident did happen, I felt like I was the only person on the planet at that moment, and that this creature knew everything about me. Everything I was. Everything I ever would be. It owned me in every single way. It appears the entire world went into slow motion, and I was meant to see this thing. As I passed the creature, and was able to finally break eye contact with it, 
I shift gears in my truck and haul ass all the way to town and all the way home on the north side of Payson. I could not even take my eyes off the road and was afraid to even look beside me. As stated above, this thing owned me in every way. When I arrived home, I literally had to call my father on my cell phone and have him turn on the porch light and step outside of the house before I could make it to the porch in the dark. I tried to explain to my father what I had seen out there, but could not stop crying because I was just replaying what I had seen in my mind over and over again. When I could finally talk, I explained what I had seen, and my father agreed to go back with me at first light to see if we could find any sign of fresh tracks or anything that would help explain my experience. I am a fourth generation big game hunter, and I was raised in the backcountry hunting and fishing. And even though at first light we would go check the tracks, I knew what I saw was not human. I sat up until daylight and headed toward the res at first light. As expected, we couldn't find any tracks or any fresh sign of anything. I did not go back to see my girlfriend for some time afterward. It was almost a week before I would go back out there. When I did go back and told my girlfriend what I saw, she did not seem too surprised and began to explain something to me. She then stated that her father needed to talk to me ASAP. I waited for a few days to go up there and see him. When I did, he brought me into this room, and I proceeded to tell him what I saw that night. He told me what I had seen was a skimwalker. I can tell you shortly after, I left my girlfriend for non-related issues and have not gone back to that res ever since. I live in a very out-of-the-way village in a 70-year-old house roughly 19 miles from the border of Colorado. This was back in the 90s. You'd think the house, which everyone even in my family thinks is haunted, would be the whole story. But no. My story is about the cemetery, which is only a couple of blocks away from my family home. That's why they say it's haunted, even though I disagree. That's because of what I saw one day at sunset, when I was about 7 or 10 years old. And even just recalling it makes my heart freeze and start to race with unease. I had just finished a rather short fist fight with my cousin. She had managed to give me a good bloody lip and a black eye. Living so close to farms, nature, mountains, and so on, it isn't too surprising. You're raised to be tough and hunting, tracking, camping, and other wilderness survival. But they don't prepare you for some of the unusual things. Anyway, I was upset that I, a boy, had been badly beaten by my girly cousin and didn't even notice I had walked in frustration past the graveyard. And by the time I did, it was already a little past sunset. I knew my mother would be furious for me staying out late, and that that thought occupied my mind as I started jogging back home past the graveyard. And that's when I noticed it. I usually refer to this thing as it or thing, because from a distance, it looks like a person just standing there, just beyond the graveyard's open gated entrance. Yet, I could feel this uncomfortable feeling, like I shouldn't be seeing this or even around this person, this stranger or this creature. Also, stranger danger was a big thing back then. I passed him without really looking at him and just went as I was about 20 or so feet away from him. I turned and now remembering I wish I didn't, he had no eyes. It was very similar to what Slenderman would look like, except he had this mouth with jagged teeth. It seemed to smile like he was grinning at me. Mouth filled with long, almost bear-like teeth. A mouth deformed, almost like it was bigger than its head. And he was the average size and height of an adult. Except there was just something wrong about the way it was standing. 
I was absolutely horrified. But like any kid, I wanted to pee my pants and run. But yet, I stood there frozen. Honestly, I did not know what to think about this monster. It's like he had some hold over my entire body. But what finally got me to run wasn't the monster, but the growl I heard from the graveyard's entrance. Daring to look away from the now drooling mouth monster, I then saw this phantom black dog thing, its eyes a burning fire red. That thing got me to run, especially when its eyes seemed to instantly lock onto mine. Or at the very least, that's what it felt like. It felt like it was telling me to run or that I shouldn't be seeing any of this. I ran as fast as I could. I could finally move my body freely again, only daring to look back once upon hearing a very unnatural howl that pushed more fear into me. Through forming tears, I saw that dog thing attack the mouth monster. It was something like you'd see in a monster movie, something straight out of Supernatural. That's the closest I can come to explaining what I had seen. And now, you're the only person I'm telling. If anyone else has had this kind of experience, just know I understand. Fear helps us whether we know it or not. I'm just thankful for all my blessings. I've never seen anything like that since. Not even now that I'm far older. Thanks for letting me vent my long-held fear of what I think was a gravehound and an evil spirit. Hey there, Swamp Dweller. Good afternoon. I wish this story could be a bit more exciting, but not much happens on the island of Tasmania. Not since Alexander Pierce escaped prison and ate his fellow convicts in 1822, or since the Port Arthur Massacre in 1996, where my pregnant mother, my father, and my nan were meant to be. The only reason they didn't go and didn't end up being a part of that massacre is that my nan wanted to go somewhere else last minute. Such a simple reason. Anyway, moving on from that. During Christmas in 2019, my parents and I decided to go up to a walking trail. There's a massive quarry, a small track you can go down, and a long track that people often walk or ride up. If we have the time, we walk up the long track. But today, we walked up the rock face and explored the quarry to try to find snakes and lizards. We were there for maybe 20 or so minutes when my mom suddenly got a feeling. This weird feeling. She said that she didn't feel like there was a snake or a lizard, but something else entirely. She felt that something was just off. I don't know if I was playing off her anxiety or maybe just feeling off as well, but I was definitely feeling it. As we got closer to the car, my mom pointed out some bones. My mind instantly went to Big Cat or Panther. I just, that's just the feeling I got. Like how on the rock face by myself while my parents were in the quarry, I got the feeling that there was something watching me. The closer I got to the car, the more off I felt. I don't know why, but instead of going through the designated entryway, I moved to the left and walked over the big rocks instead and moved straight to the car. And instead of going to the left-sided car, like I normally do, I went to the right side. My mom unlocked the door, and I could not get in quicker. While I stayed in the car, my mom opened the boot to grab something while my dad moved to the right where there was a bit of a ditch or gully and some denser brush. I kept on looking to the left out my window, if that means anything. Soon, my mom and dad got in the car, and dad said he had a weird feeling too. For some reason, after that, my mind shouted, Body. 
He said the closer he got to the ditch and gully, the worse feeling he got. Now, it's one thing for us to get a weird feeling, but all three of us? And the fact that my dad got the weird feeling too? My dad pretty much never gets bad feelings, and he believes in ghosts. Hell, he even saw a hellhound once. But he doesn't jump to any conclusions of supernatural or paranormal straight away if something happens. We talked for a few minutes. My mom said she felt like we were being watched, and my dad and I said something about wild dogs. We were planning to leave a few minutes later and drive slowly to try and see something. We really felt like there was something watching us as we drove, and it was only on the left side, not the right. At some point, I had felt sick and almost dreadful, but all those feelings left and dissipated once we left that area. Since my mind sort of went to Big Cat and Panther, I decided to look up Big Cat sightings and, hell, what do you know, a Big Cat was sighted back in August this year. Now, maybe that's not too weird for Australia. There are often Big Cat sightings, but for Tasmania, that's very rare. I'd like to hear anyone's thoughts, feelings, and opinions if you have any. I wish this could have been more interesting, and I wish I actually cited something. But I wanted to put this out there to see if anybody else in Tasmania has been having these weird encounters with big cats, or even the feeling that they're being stalked by one. Guys, for the better part of their lives, our better halves have been fantasizing about the perfect wedding ring. Cut, clarity, carrot, color, you name it. For us, not so much and jewelry stores clearly think the same thing. I've had countless troubles I can't even begin to tell you about trying to find bracelets, necklaces, or even rings for myself in stores. But that's where Manly Bands comes in. Manly Bands is here to rescue you from an otherwise hellish band buying experience. Manly Bands offers your hand the freedom to look how you want it to, in just about every type of earthly material imaginable, and even from space. I chose the narrator band, as I love the way it looks, it's very sleek and it fits just right. To get started, order the Manly Ring Sizer from Manly Bands to ensure that your ring will fit perfectly during your work and play. Once you know your size, it's time for the fun part. Manly Bands has an insane selection of materials to choose from. We have gold, wood, antler, steel, dinosaur bone, and even the meteorites that killed them. You can also choose from one of Manly Bands' curated collections like the Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection. Once you've selected your band, Manly Bands offers free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. While there might be a 50% chance of your marriage working out, there's a 100% chance that you're going to love your Manly Band. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off, plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com swamped. That's manlybands.com swamped for 21% off. Manly Bands. The best damn rings, period. My name is Jake, and this is my experience. This happened in South Texas back in 2004, around Halloween time. My friends Michael and Joey were looking for something exciting to do. We used to ride our bikes at night exploring the surrounding neighborhoods where we lived. We noticed an abandoned barn about a quarter mile off the road in between two cornfields, and decided to check it out. The path was long and dark. It was away from the dimly lit streetlight. The corn stalks hovered over the narrow path leading to the barn. It almost felt like I was being entrapped. Had it not been for the full moon, it would have been pitch black dark inside the barn. Thankfully, our flashlights, running low on battery, were enough to illuminate the way inside to check it out. We must have stuck around for 10 to 15 minutes, exploring until a strange feeling set in. 
that someone or something was watching us from within the corn stalks. I told them, Hey guys, let's head back. It's getting late. They agreed, so we headed back to our bikes to head back down the dark path to the main road, which at this point felt and looked further than a quarter mile. Michael and Joey wanted to race each other to the main road, so they sped off, leaving me behind in the dust. As they sped off ahead, I slowly started biking towards them, when suddenly I noticed cornstalks start to move heading toward my direction. This frightened me, so I picked up the pace, pedaling faster, and as I did, I noticed the dark figure started moving faster, parallel to me. I shouted, Hey guys, hold up! The noise of the tires speeding over the gravel drowned out my shout though. My friends couldn't really hear me or make out what I was saying. I tensed up because I could feel this object was going to tackle me off my bike at any moment. It was hard to get a good glimpse of it without breaking my focus on pedaling fast, straight forward towards the main streetlight. But I could tell this thing was taller than myself, and I was around 5 foot plus at the time. At this point, my friends had reached the main road under the streetlight. I kept thinking I just, I just need to reach the streetlight. My heart was pounding out of my chest as I finally reached the light. The dark figure stopped a few feet before the light and completely ceased to move. I biked past my friends, and they immediately followed as they noticed the terrified look on my face. Once we got more into an area with neighborhoods and light, we slowed down. I shared with them the frightening experience, and they were left in silence, not sure what to make of it. We never did go back to that area at night. I had no interest in ever going back, period. I don't know what that thing was. It definitely wasn't a human. But it was very reminiscent of that Jeepers Creepers thing that I used to see in those movies. If anybody has any idea what could have been stalking us that night, please let me know in the comments. My grandmother has shared a lot of stories over the years of growing up in East Tennessee. This lady has been struck by lightning twice. She grew up in a haunted house, and she swears she has seen Bigfoot. I wanted to share her experiences with the swamp. My grandmother grew up in a small house near Knoxville, Tennessee, with her parents and two siblings. She and her sister shared a bedroom with a small closet and fireplace. Her brother slept in the room across the hall, and her parents slept at the end of the hall. At night, she and her sister could hear a small giggle come from their closet. Eventually, they would work up the nerve to leave the closet door open one night before bed. Once the giggling started, they investigated the closet and saw a small, young boy sitting on the top shelf. It looked like he was playing a game like marbles or jacks. The girls weren't necessarily scared of him, and they drifted off to sleep as nothing ever really happened. But from then on, they left the door closed. My grandmother and her sister would also wake up because their blankets would be pulled off their bed or sometimes their beds would start shaking. Other times, they would hear chains rattling or the sound of iron sticks smacking inside the boarded-up fireplace. Although nothing really ever happened in her brother's room, he was made to believe. He drove home late one evening and found the front door was locked. They had one of those chain locks that slides into groove, so someone outside could open the door, but only slightly. My grandma heard the door open and the chain smack, meaning he tried to get in but couldn't. So she walked out of the room to go let him in. As she walked down the hallway, she saw the chain lift, glide sideways, 
then fall. Her brother opened the door and realized there was no one close enough to let him in other than their friendly ghost. They eventually sold the house, which their ghost friend did not approve of. My grandma had all of her clothes packed away, so only hangers were left in the closet. The day they were supposed to leave, she walked down the hall towards the front door, but she heard a clatter from the closet. She walked back to find all the clothes hangers had been thrown out of the closet and were all over the bedroom floor. That was her last encounter in the house before they moved. Sometime later as an adult, my grandmother moved to a place near Norris, Tennessee. They frequently visited Big Ridge State Park. This is where she swears she saw Bigfoot. She gave an account to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, the BFRO, which you can read the interview and follow-up questions on their website. They believed her story and met her there to walk the path years later. Here's the story from her point of view. My parents, my young son, and I had spent the day fishing at the Big Ridge State Park. We had packed up and headed back to the parking lot via a small trail that winds around the lake. My son and I were walking in front, and I turned around to say something to my parents. When I turned back around, there it was, walking across the trail in front of us. It was no more than 20 or so feet in front of me and my son. It looked to be about 8 to 9 foot tall if I had to guess. It didn't really have a neck. Its arms swung by its side as it walked. It had long, black and brown hair. The stride of its legs had to be 4 to 6 feet wide, since the trail was only 5 feet across and it took him one step to cross it. It walked stiffly and disappeared in the bushes and trees as it had never been there before. I turned back to my parents and asked if they saw that. They said they didn't. It was getting dark so we got out of there quickly. During and after this encounter, the forest and lake were very quiet. Even though I saw it for just a second, I know it was not a human. It had to be a Bigfoot. And there you have it, Swamp Dwellers. These were my grandmother's encounters with ghosts and what she believes to be a Bigfoot. I hope you all enjoyed it. This happened 12 years ago, and to this day I still consider me lucky. The morning was cool as we loaded into the ambulance heading to a call at the edge of town. It was 6.12am and it was still dark outside. We were called in by the police station, saying that there were multiple wounded and a few dead at what seemed to be a farm. We didn't know what caused the injuries, but we made our way to the scene. The address took us to a dirt road that led us to a home that had two police cars outside with their lights on, but we didn't see any officers posted. There was no one there. The home was attached to the farm that seemed to either be deserted or just plain old, but my focus was on the cop cars out front. Typically, when they are called to a scene, there is at least one police officer guiding us to where we needed to go. But there was no one there. A situation like this could be very dangerous. We could be heading into danger and not know it. The home's front door was open, but there weren't any lights on. There seemed to be blood on the porch that led into the house. Having been in the field for 18 months at this point, I was hardened by multiple calls with car crashes and even triple homicides. But something about this call was different. For the first time, being on call, I was afraid. I decided that rather than just sitting around, that we should enter the home and try to find the injured people. I slowly entered the home with a flashlight and a medical bag. 
The blood that was on the porch led into the home and up the stairs. I made my presence known, but I got no response. I tried the lights, but they didn't work. What was this place? I thought to myself. As I searched the bottom floor, I looked for clues, and I started to hear muffled sounds coming from upstairs. It sounded like something very heavy, being dragged across the floor. The other paramedics that were now with me also heard the sounds upstairs, but they also seemed to feel scared. We heard those dragging sounds continue upstairs, slowly moving to the top of the stairs. Not thinking, I began to walk to the stairs to see if anyone was there. The blood was pooling on the stairs and it was thick. It made slippery. It made everything slippery since the floors were made with wood. I shined my light on the top of the stairs having no idea what to expect. I slowly continued forward with another paramedic right behind me. We were halfway up the stairs when we saw a hand pull forward. A policeman who was on the ground. He continued to drag himself on the ground revealing that his lower leg was missing. Get out before it sees you, he said with extreme pain. My medical training must have kicked in as I ignored this warning and rushed to his aid at the top of the stairs. At the top of the stairs, I could see what remained of the officer and the trail of blood that he produced as he was dragging himself to the stairs. I could also see another set of stairs leading to what appeared to be the attic. The two paramedics that were with me attended to the officer at the top of the stairs and I slowly ventured to the stairs of the attic. Above me, I could hear sounds that I'm not able to describe, but they were terrifying in nature. Sounds that I assumed to be grunts or something very large eating. My flashlight was the only thing illuminating my path in the long hallway leading to the attic stairs. The hallway was long and unfurnished. I could see scratches on the walls and floors, although blood covered most of the floor. I had no idea what was happening here, or more importantly, what was still happening. But I assumed due to the blood and lack of personnel at the scene that there were many that still required my help, although the scene was likely dangerous. I've experienced violence before while on duty. Many people while in shock can be aggressive and numb to pain while making subduing them quite the task. I wasn't necessarily preparing for violence, although it's never outside the realm of possibility. I proceeded to the attic steps alone, flashlight in hand. I was tempted to announce my presence, but I decided against it. I had a feeling that I've never experienced before, but the best I could describe it was that I was about to meet the devil. The literal embodiment of a devil... The, the, the embodiment of evil was up these stairs. I could feel it. I walked up the stairs slowly, hearing sounds much clearer. Sounds that didn't sound good. I was about to reach the top of the stairs when I heard a loud sound coming from downstairs and a rushing of people entering the home. I quickly turned around and ran down the stairs over to the other paramedics and the officer was in grave condition over there. Coming up the stairs was a SWAT team in full gear. This would be the first and last time I'd ever see a SWAT team come to a scene. They ordered all of us downstairs and told us to leave the officer. The officer was bandaged but unresponsive due to blood loss. They asked me, where is it? Sternly, and I pointed to the attic stairs. They rushed the stairs leading to the attic with their weapons drawn, and we went down the stairs. From the bottom floor, we could hear screeching and gunfire coming from the attic. A lot of gunfire. We were ushered outside by more members of the SWAT team. By this time, the sun was starting to rise, and not only did the SWAT team arrive, but also government officials in suits. They pulled us aside and asked us many questions. They asked us what we saw and who was all inside. Thankfully, we hadn't seen much, so we told them the truth. I asked them, 
what was going on and what was inside. They didn't answer me, and they told me to attend to the people that they'll bring out. They brought out seven bodies that day. Seven mangled bodies. None of them fully intact, however, the one officer missing both legs ended up surviving. What happened here? What did they shoot in the attic? What was I about to see in the attic had the SWAT team not arrived? I'm glad that I wasn't one of those bodies, but this night will never leave my mind. Many people believe what they perceive in the world is reality. Everything they see, touch, smell, and hear is real, and will always be real. This always goes for things that they don't believe in. We live in a world where they no longer fear the monsters in the dark, believing we have discovered all the apex predators of the world, such as the sharks, the orcas, the bears, the wolves, and large cats, and we believe we are on the top of the food chain. While it is true, we currently have no natural predators, we are merely prey of opportunity. This doesn't change the fact that we are prey nonetheless. One doesn't get to experience the feeling of being hunted, of being stalked like a wolf stalks an elk. The feeling of dread you feel as the eyes of a predator are staring into you, waiting for you to make one wrong move. I was 14 at the time. I had short black hair and braces that made me look like the biggest dork you have ever met in your life. Funny enough, I was. While I played lacrosse and was semi-athletic, what I lacked in coordination and speed I made up for with a deceiving amount of brute strength, an amount that didn't make sense for my small stature. I was in Phoenix, Arizona for my annual summer trip to visit my grandparents on my father's side of the family. My grandparents seemed like opposites. My grandfather is a tall, semi-muscular man, standing at 6 feet 6 inches in height and weighing easily over 190 pounds, who never seemed to take anything seriously and loved to crack joke and tease others. My grandmother was tall for a woman, standing at easily 5 feet 9 inches, was rather skinny. She didn't make jokes often, but always seemed to laugh at my grandfather's jokes. The only similarities I ever felt like they really shared was their love for their family and their love for going on walks and hiking. They also owned a beautiful dog named Lucy. Lucy was a rescue when my grandparents got her, and such, she came with her own issues. She wasn't fond of bigger men and hated big dogs, yet somehow that didn't seem to stop her from loving any of the men in my family, including my grandfather. If you saw Lucy from a distance, you'd think it was just a large fox. Her fur was the orange color foxes have, and her tail looked just like a fox. In truth, no one knew what breed she was. Even after having become a registered veterinarian assistant, I still have no good guess. The only thing I know is that she is at least part German Shepherd, as she shares the same common characteristics. The only thing I know for sure is that she at least shares some part of German Shepherd, as she shares the same common characteristics they have, including the medium size, pointy ears, snout, and her love and undying devotion to her owners. The morning after I arrived at my grandmother's, they told me that they were going to hike up Camelback Mountain, a mountain that got its name for looking like a camel's hump. I hated the idea of doing this. Like most high schoolers, I just wanted to lay in bed and watch YouTube, especially since this would be the first year I didn't have my brother Jalen to keep me company. Jalen was my older brother, who had six years on me, 
He had just turned 20 and decided he needed to work to save up money for when he goes back to campus, leaving me to go on a trip by himself. I wasn't upset. Obviously, this is a decision he needed to make. But I was sad about it. Up until 8th grade, he had been my only real friend that I could really rely on and open up to. As I was sitting in the car with my grandmother, I remember staring out the window, admiring the scorching sun, and listening to the steady panting of Lucy in the back. I looked up into the rearview mirror in hopes of seeing her smiling face instilling confidence in me. I yawned and rolled onto my side, facing the passenger side of the car and closed my eyes. While I slept, I remember reflecting on the story my grandfather on my mother's side of the family told me a few months ago. These grandparents only lived a few hours south of my family, so I visited them more often. My grandfather, who I will refer to as Papa to help separate the two, is a short, overweight man who loved his grandchildren more than life itself, but he took a liking to me more than anyone else. I think the reason for this was because I took the time to listen to his story. Papa had served in Vietnam when he was younger and had numerous stories to tell, a few of which were almost unsettling. He told me of creatures, the likes of which we humans have never seen before, living in the jungles there. He told me how the creature was more dangerous than the Viet Cong soldier or animal or anything like that. He also gave me survival tips in case I ever found myself stuck in the woods and felt unsafe. If you ever feel like you're being stalked by something, do not run. Pray runs. His voice echoed in my head. Don't ever scream. Pray screams. If you see the creature stalking you, do not meet its gaze. Most animals take that as you challenging it. And while humans are extremely capable creatures, being able to rely on adrenaline to take down a lot of animals, there are creatures in this world that will butcher us without hesitating. His words seemed to burn themselves into my head. All you need to do is make yourself look as big as possible and walk out of its territory as fast as possible while still walking. The last of his words echoed as I felt someone shaking my body a little bit. We're here, Josh. It's time to wake up. I heard my grandmother say while rocking my body back and forth. We both got out of the car, and I gave Lucy the treats I had promised her. As I stood outside the car holding Lucy's leash, I breathed in the fresh air. It smelled quite different from Indiana, as it didn't carry the swamp smell Indiana's humidity usually carries with it. The air was much thinner making me more confident that I wouldn't be able to run nearly as far as I would be able to at home. As we walked along the trail, my grandmother and I side by side with Lucy leading the way ahead of us, I made idle talk with her as we walked down the trail. The mountains were beautiful, while well, one would imagine it just to be a barren desert there. There are specific parts of arid trees and cacti that turn into a sort of forest, that combined with the beautiful blue skies and warm, almost boiling hot weather, made it a beautiful day to hike. As we continued to walk, I felt this sense of dread growing inside of me. The further we went, I looked down to Lucy, whose ears were now up and alert. Her body was low to the ground. She sensed something near us. I began to feel uneasy. The mountains of Arizona had many creatures inhabiting it, which include black bear, mountain lions, elk, deer, javelina, coyote, antelope, along with a lot more. I looked at my grandmother who didn't seem bothered at all. This feeling of dread grew bigger and bigger, the weight of it sitting on my chest. Something was staring at me, and I could feel it piercing my soul. I recalled my papa's advice and attempted to make myself look as big as possible. 
which admittedly wasn't very big at all. My goal was to make myself seem like I just wasn't worth the trouble. I looked around trying to spot anything out of place when I saw it. Peering around from behind a cactus was some sort of creature covered in black fur. I couldn't see its body because it was behind the giant cactus, but I could tell it was easily as tall as this cactus was. This thing was easily seven feet tall. I tried to avoid its gaze, not wanting to accidentally challenge it, but it felt as though my eyes snapped to them on their own. Its eyes were black. Not black, but more like they were completely void of light, except for a small amount of yellow. Their eyes were beady and honestly soulless. The longer I looked, I noticed this giant hand reaching around the front of the cactus. Its hands was big enough to fit my head inside of it, and it had two-inch claws at its fingertips. My head snapped away from it, and I looked ahead. Grandma, we need to turn around and leave. I said, trying not to show fear, but wanting to get the urgency across. Oh, but we haven't made it halfway yet. My grandmother said with a sound of sadness in her voice. I needed to come up with something to get us out of there. I looked down to Lucy, who was still walking forward, but her head wasn't looking ahead. She was looking at my right. The direction I saw the monster watching us from. Grandma, I don't feel good. My stomach hurts and I feel nauseous. Can we please just go back? I promise we can take Lucy on a walk a little bit later. I said, trying to sound as sick as possible. I guess that is fine, my grandmother said almost disappointingly, as she really wanted to take me to the peak this year. When we turned around, I made sure to keep myself between where I had seen the monster and my grandmother. As we walked back down, feeling the dread continued to get worse. This feeling of hopelessness that you are no longer the scariest out there anymore. That at any moment's notice, something could decide to take you out of this world. When we got back to the car, I noticed we were still the only ones out there, which is strange, as it was usually a place to go hiking that was very popular. Lucy reluctantly got back into the SUV, preferring to stay outside and keep watch while my grandmother got in the car. While I finally got Lucy in, and I got myself in, I looked ahead on the trail. There was something, somewhat obscured by the foliage, it was a hulking animal of some sort. It had the face of a dog with its long black snout, but was easily bigger than any black bear I'd ever seen before. It stared at me, into my soul once again, but it never moved. Only stared at me, which was almost scarier than it charging us. We went back home where I sat in my room, and immediately called my papa. Honestly, he would be the only one that would believe me. Two days later, my grandmother told me, she had seen something weird on the news of a few hikers going missing on that very same trail. She thanked me for convincing us to leave. I still have never, ever gone back to those mountains. Even as I've gotten bigger and more experienced hunting and such, I just don't trust it. I now carry a serrated pocket knife that my papa had given me for my 15th birthday everywhere I go. I will never forget the advice he had given me. So, I and two of my buddies were up Lone Peak Canyon with a plan to sleep under the stars and leave the next day. So we got everything set up and decided to go swim in the lake. On our way back, 
We saw a single deer with abnormally large eyes and ears, and it had odd proportions in general. I've grown up in Utah Valley my whole life, and I've seen thousands of deer, so I know what they usually look and act like. The deer was sitting on a rock, like a dog, and it turned its head to watch us without giving any reaction. Its head seemed to turn and follow while its body stayed perfectly still. It almost looked like its head was detached from its body. I decided that it was just an odd occurrence and that I should just ignore it. This was at 4 p.m. About 30 minutes later, we were at our campsite and we saw the same deer chasing another. But it stopped and continued to just look at us for maybe five minutes. When we all looked away, it almost just disappeared. Maybe it took off as soon as we looked away, but this was also odd. Thirty minutes after that, we saw the same deer, probably two hundred yards away up on the side of the hill overlooking us. It stayed there for at least 45 minutes, just staring at us. The fourth time we saw it was later around 9.30 p.m. when we were in our sleeping bags getting ready to go to bed. The deer came up from the river that we were next to, probably 20 feet away, and just looked at us again for maybe two minutes and then went back down. The same thing happened again in the same spot 15 minutes later. It almost seemed to be checking if we had gone to sleep yet. It continued to check on us one more time 15 minutes later again. At this point, I was a little freaked out but didn't want to say anything because I was afraid my friends would say I was imagining things. So, we all tried to go to bed, and at about 10.30 to 10.45, we started hearing something maybe 10 feet away just under the hill that led to where the river was. We continued to hear what sounded like a deer walking in the river and coming to check on us. Every time it would get close, we would start talking and shine our lights into the trees to see if we could see anything. This happened enough to the point that we grabbed everything and left at midnight. On our way down, my buddy said they kept seeing silhouettes off to our sides. The entire way down, we kept seeing weird things like a deer right next to the road staring at the mountainside at literally nothing. Not moving or reacting or grazing. We continued to see more and more deer that were behaving oddly. But remember that we have all seen thousands of deer just up that canyon itself, and they never behaved like that. Please, anyone, let me know if you think it might have been something. When I was eight, maybe even seven, I had a disturbing encounter with some creature or entity. I lived in the Appalachian mountain range of Pennsylvania. It was November, 
around when daylight saving time occurred. I remember it was supposed to be a school day, but since the snow was so heavy, the buses were not able to drive out in the morning, so school was cancelled for a snow day. I was so excited to spend the rest of the day outside in the snow. We had an acre of property, going quite far back into the woods. I was walking deep into the forest to a small frozen pond past my property line. Suddenly, the woods were dead silent. No birds, no wildlife scurrying around, absolutely nothing. I remember thinking it was strange, but kept walking. I really wanted to make it to the pond. I should have turned right then and there, but I was just a naive little kid. After I reached the pond, everything was still completely silent, and the hairs on the back of my neck felt like they were rising. I started to feel frightened, but I didn't exactly know why. I felt like something bad was going to happen to me if I didn't leave at that exact moment, so I decided to run back home. As I arrived back at my yard, I realized it was so late. The sun was setting. My mom was running outside asking where I was literally all day, and to never disappear ever like that again. Nothing of this ever made sense to me. I had only been outside for about 20 minutes. I left my house with my snow gear on at around 10am, right after getting the snow day call. It was almost 8pm, meaning I had been gone for around 10 hours. I have no idea how I had been gone for such a long amount of time. I remember only being out there for just a few minutes. I don't know if this was some sort of creature encounter. I've heard of a lot of lost time being attributed to being hypnotized or just being in the presence of these skimwalkers or wendigo-type creatures. Has anyone else ever had this happen to them? Was it some type of creature? I didn't see anything while there at all. I don't think I lost track of time, and I definitely didn't fall and hit my head or anything. What do you think happened? Please let me know in the comments below. A little backstory about myself. I'm a 15-year-old girl, and I've always been shy my whole life because my parents treated me like I was an enemy to them. Anyways, on to the Skinwalker story. This happened when I used to live in California. I and my brother Connor were playing in the backyard of our little house when we hear this scream coming from the woods. A little something about our house. It's a 60s to 70s house, but my father took awful care of it that the floors in the house was rotting and the back porch was slowly collapsing, like it was very badly taken care of. Anyways, let's get back to the story. I and my brother got curious as to what was making that sound. So, like any other weirdos we were, we investigated the sound. So about three minutes of walking, we hear it again. But the scream was much higher pitched and much closer. So my brother Connor makes the biggest mistake of his life. He screams back at it trying to mimic this thing. And the next thing we know is that we see it, and it's charging at us, and we just bolted. We get back to the house, and I open the back door. I got my brother inside, 
and I legit slammed the back door. But after slamming the door, the entire floor under us just collapsed and we both fall into the basement. My father eventually walks into the house after work and starts walking towards the kitchen. And before he steps in, he sees that the floor collapsed and sees us injured. My brother had a broken arm and I was impaled by a metal pipe. Thankfully, we both made a full recovery. This might sound strange, but as a child I used to see things, things that are not normal. And not just that, I also suffer from sleep paralysis, which started when I was 11 years old. And when I experience sleep paralysis, I often see otherworldly creatures or leave my body. Aside from all of this, I have had other strange paranormal experiences too. But there is one creature I often see. I have written about it before. This angel-like creature that often visits me. This angel-like creature is tall, shaped like a human, but tall with angel-like wings, completely dressed in white and faceless, but speaks with a woman's voice. It has told me many times before that if I ever have any troubles in life, that I might just call on its name. When I ask who he is, it usually doesn't reply but finds a way to draw a cross so that I can see it, and so that I am left with the image of a cross burnt into my mind. So, this one cold evening, I was out after dark. I was in my twenties. I drew cold air and suddenly, it seemed like I was smoking like a chimney when I exhaled. My hands were freezing. I was out camping with friends and my husband, and I had gotten myself lost. I left to go to the bathroom, but being a curious creature, the urge to go on a dark adventure suddenly distracted me. I left the bathroom and declined to go back to the campsite. I decided to rather go into the bushes, into that area, which we were not actually allowed to go. They had closed the area off and it made me exceedingly more curious as to why. I climbed over the chain they had placed between the two trees and ignored the no-entry sign. I ventured deeper and deeper into the dark. I suddenly heard something. I followed the sound. It turned out to be a water buck. It ran off and scared me. I sighed with relief. I held tighter to my torch. Suddenly, the air became even colder. I ventured off deeper into the dark. When I turned around after deciding that it was too dangerous now, and realized that I was lost, I had been met with a crossroads, and didn't know which path or road led back to the campsite anymore. My heart began to pound a little. I tried my best not to panic, but then I heard a weird sound that I knew all too well. It is a strange sound that is usually made by that angelic-like creature that I mentioned earlier. Since I was a kid, I have heard it several times, and I knew, if it was near, there was always something to be scared of, because danger was always not far away. Like all the other times before I had seen it, bad things shortly happened after. It was only then that I realized that there were other familiar beings there as well, that I have also seen before. But these ones I believe I've only seen once or twice. Three shadow figures that chased and hunted me down when I was little. They created the sound of this utterly evil laughing. 
Then I saw them stretching out their shadowy hands towards me, and they began to move towards me fast. Following the moonlight to keep themselves visually in sight, I dropped my torch and began to run. I suddenly remembered the cross the angelic creature drew before. I turned around and before I could even say his name, these three shadow figures just disappeared. Still lost, I saw a small narrow path that led from one of the main pathways that I was on even deeper into the bushes. I began following it, curiosity overtaking me again. Then I came across an old building that looked like it had been out of use for many years. I didn't have my torch with me anymore, but luckily it was a full moon, and I could see somewhat well. I tried peeking in through the windows. Each window I peeked in revealed darkness. It was too dark inside the building for me to see anything on the inside though. Not even the full moon helped with that, but I tried another window too. I decided to try all of the windows, and to my greatest regret, I saw inside the cabin some sort of creature. I don't even know how to describe it. I guess my best my best comparison would be a werewolf of some sort. This thing looked like it was messing with an axe, though, or carrying it or something. Because I could see it, or rather hear it, swinging it around. I ran back as fast as I could. I had no idea where I was going. But eventually, I made it back to where there was a security guard for the campground. I told them all about everything, but he didn't believe me and reassured me there was no such thing out there. Eventually, I made it back to my tent, but I never slept. I've never really told anybody about what happened that night, because I don't think people will believe me. I might sound crazy, but these events actually happened. We live in the backwoods in Texas, 30 to 45 minutes to the biggest town, and yes, we live down a back road. From what I know so far, it could be a Bigfoot, a Wendigo, or what we all fear, a skimwalker. It all started about two to two and a half years ago before I met my girlfriend and before our land was clear cut. In August of 2018, I went out to the garage. It's about 50 feet from the front and back door. I am tooling around and I can hear my father on the opposite end of the property on the tractor. I am in the middle of the garage and I heard something brush up against the back wall of the garage. Seeing many horror movies in my time, I'm not going out there, so I stay put. A few weeks went by and the same thing happened when my dad was at work. That same day, I was leaving for work and the clump of trees behind the garage began to shake forcefully. Fast forward to February, maybe even March of 2019, my girlfriend decided to look out the back patio door. She started saying, no, 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 following by shutting the door and closing the blinds. She ran to the guest bedroom closet to hide, and she began to cry. I followed her to the bedroom to try to calm her down. Whatever she saw scared the soul out of her. About 30 minutes later, we opened the patio blinds there was nothing there. She said there was a hairy thing crouched over. Its back was not facing her though. Sometime around May or June of 2019, right before we clear cut our land, my girlfriend found an airsoft gun under my bed and wanted to go shoot it outside into some puddles in our driveway. It was around 7 or 8 p.m. at night. 
We were shooting for about 20 minutes and we ran out of ammo. I went inside to go get some more plastic pellets. I was gone for maybe two to three minutes, and when I come back out, my girlfriend told me she yelled for me because she heard a whistle in the woods. I told her I did not hear it, and I did not hear her either, and so we go inside. About a month later, sometime at night again, she was walking out to her car. She got to the car, heard a whistle in the woods again, and began to freak out. A month or two later, we clear-cut our land, and the experiences all stopped inexplicably. Then, sometime around October, we got a couple of friends over. Let's call them Brad and Izzy for privacy. Brad is part Native American. I will begin with this. There is a railroad that travels between the main towns we go to. A few months ago, Izzy claims they saw a skimwalker one night along these tracks. Brad saw one before Izzy did a mile farther down the tracks. Three weeks ago, my girlfriend Brad, Izzy, and I had to stop by my cousin's house. They live off the main highway on a two-lane road across from those tracks. I just had to drop off some Christmas gifts and get out of there. So I get out, open the trunk hatch, and Brad tells me to hurry. So I hurry up, drop off the gifts, and hurry back to the car. Brad tells me to drive, like now. So we go. My girlfriend and Brad saw two glowing white eyes across the street. So... All in all, they have had three experiences with what they are calling a skimwalker on that railroad. My girlfriend and I were leaving for work around 10am the next day. My girlfriend says she saw something across the road in the woods. Then out of nowhere we heard a train horn a few yards behind us. We live on a dirt road. If someone had a train horn, we would have heard it by now. I heard skimwalkers can copy voices or sounds. That same night when we delivered gifts, my girlfriend saw a black figure on a back row behind a grocery store. The next day she saw the figure leaving work, and the following day she saw it along the tree line at dusk. Last night, my dad and I were taking the trash out. We had a spotlight on. He was shining it around and saying, Skimwalker. Halfway to the house, I told him to stop. I saw two eyes about eight foot high off the ground. They were white and bluish like LED lights on a car. I asked for the flashlight and I shine it in the direction that I saw the, you know, quote-unquote eyes. Nothing was there, though. I almost forgot this first time Brad was at the house, though. He came up to me while I was grilling. It was at about 7 p.m., so it was kind of dark. He asked me if I had a weird feeling like something was watching me, which, before he came over, I had been feeling for at least two or three months. I don't know what's out here. I don't know if it's a typical Texas Bigfoot, some sort of skimwalker or something entirely different. Now this story starts the day after I moved into my new home. I had just moved from my apartment, which was in a bad neighborhood with lots of bad things happening there, but that is another story entirely. So I had just moved into my new house, a small two-bedroom house. The kitchen was right in front of the master bedroom, and the secondary bedroom was right off the living room. I had my mother and two siblings living with me. They took the large master while I took the secondary bedroom. Anyway, this encounter took place late in the night, sometime around 11 p.m. Everyone had just gone to sleep, so I was excited that I had the house to myself. I decided that I would do the dishes to help my mother out, then play games on my Xbox for the rest of the night. I walked into the kitchen with my dog and started doing up the dishes. 
About halfway through them, I started feeling uneasy. I started thinking that it was just an unexpected anxiety attack, which I get pretty often, so I did not really think much of it. I paused and decided that maybe a glass of water would help me. While I was sipping my water, I started to hear my dog growling from the living room. I say my dog, but he is really my mother's dog. He is an incredibly good guard dog, as in he will destroy an intruder in a heartbeat. Anyways, so I heard him growling, an extremely low, quiet growl. Me being the stupid 17-year-old I was, decided I was going to go see what he was doing. I put down my glass and walked into the living room where both my puppy and my mother's dog were standing by the front door, their nose in the crack of it. I tiptoed my way to the door and listened carefully. All I heard was a faint scratching noise, so I assumed it was just a raccoon or one of the stray cats that frequented our house because we always leave cat food for them out front. I peeked out the front window, which is located right beside the door, and I did not see anything. Just the darkness of the yard. A porch illuminated softly by the glow streetlight in front of our house. So, I told the dogs to chill out before they woke the family up. After they settled down a bit, I went back to finish up the dishes and to think of what games I was about to play. As I was washing a plate, I got that uneasy feeling again. The feeling in the pit of your stomach, like you just know something is very wrong. I tried brushing it off, but it was coming on so strong. Suddenly, I get the feeling as though someone was behind me, staring at me, silently watching me. My uneasy feeling turned into scared, then stressed. I was so uneasy that I whispered to myself, Something bad is going to happen. I just know it. The floor started rumbling as though someone was running on it, running up behind me as my back turned away from the entry to the kitchen. It rumbled so hard, the pounding of footsteps were so loud, I did not know what to do except put my hands over my ears to block out the sound. It ran up behind me, and it slammed me into the kitchen counter, leaving a large purple bruise on my stomach. As soon as it all started, it stopped. Nothing but silence in the kitchen once again. While checking my stomach, I waited to see if anything else was going to happen, but nothing ever did. The room fell quiet once again. I started panicking, feeling so scared about what had just happened to me. I finally got the courage to turn around, and as I did, I sighed in relief. My big-eyed puppy was sitting there in the doorway, staring up at me. I walked over to her and hugged her, then hooked her up to the leash to take her out before I went to bed. At this point, it was about 12 p.m., and I was so scared and exhausted from that experience. I just decided it was time for my body to get some sleep. It was desperately craving rest, but I could not go just yet. I had to take my dog out. It was going to be hard, though, to explain this bruise on my stomach to my mother. I said to my puppy casually, hard to believe that my mind could conjure up something so scary. I hooked her up, and we were ready to walk outside onto the porch. Normally, we have four baby stray cats that basically live out there, but they were nowhere in sight, so I assumed they took cover at the neighbor's house. I walked the little puppy into the yard a little ways away from the side of the house where the kitchen window was. Now, I was not in the front of the kitchen window. I was at the front of the yard, but I could see the kitchen window from where I stood. I looked down and talked to my puppy, telling her she was a good girl and how beautiful she looked. You know, what all puppy mamas do. 
She looked up at me and wagged her tail in delight, but then her mood suddenly changed as she then snapped her neck to where the kitchen window was. When I say snapped, I mean she turned her head so fast, I honestly thought she was going to break her neck. It startled me, so I naturally took a couple steps backward trying to calm her down. I glanced over to where she was looking, just a small quick glance, and to my surprise, I saw something. I was not expecting to see anything, so I had to double take at the sight of this thing. We both sat and stared, trying to see what this thing was. It looked like a tall black silhouette, probably maybe seven or eight feet tall with my best guess. It had an exceptionally large chest. I remember the chest so well because it stuck out so far, like scarily far. The figure looked thin in the face but quite large in the rest of the body. It was staring over the large hedge that was in front of our kitchen window. It was staring into the window, like it was waiting, silently or something. Like it was waiting for something or maybe even myself to move inside the house. I'm guessing my dog's eyes finally adjusted to the darkness because she let out a small wolf at the creature. As soon as she did this, the creature turned its head and stared at me with huge green eyes. My heart sank. The way its eyes were reflecting off the light, it made me instantly think that I was standing in front of a giant. This thing was easily seven or eight feet tall. It was silent. No sounds were coming from this thing. Nothing. I was so focused on the creature that I had failed to realize that the night insects had gone silent as well. There was no noise, except for the static sound of the energy coming from the city. I froze while my puppy started barking loudly and violently. What could this be? Am I seeing things? Is this real? I scooped up my puppy in my arms and ran inside of the house, all the while feeling the same pounding and hearing the loud thudding footsteps as the previous encounter that took place an hour later. I ran. I ran so fast that I almost tripped over my own feet multiple times. I darted indoors, basically tossed my puppy on the couch, and locked the door as fast as I could. Leaning against the door, I listened for whatever it was that chased us in. I also held the door closed, thinking it would do something to protect us from that thing. All I could hear were the sounds of my heavy breaths from running so hard. My dog was barking, and it must have disturbed my family because my mother came out of her room and saw me holding the door closed. She saw that I was distressed and wrapped her arms around me telling me everything was okay and asking me what had happened. I could not get out the story. For some reason, my mind told me not to tell her because I knew she would not believe me. So I made up a story about how one of the neighbors startled me and assured her that I was okay. To this day, she does not know the story. None of my family does and I still don't know what the creature was, but I do know one thing about it, that it will forever haunt my mind. I live in Guyana, South America. It is a Caribbean nation rich with cultures from all over the world. As such, our culture is a mix of them, and so too are our cryptids. While ghosts are practically a norm here, even the most skeptic would have a story for you that defies logical explanation. I have a slew of encounters that I intend to document here, 
but this one does stand out as particularly weird. It happened quite a few years ago now. I was about 15 at the time. I am now 27. In the local area that I lived, there is not much to do, so my friends and I would go out to the pool hall among other spots to kill some time. My friend, Oral, decided to take a ride to meet a girl he was interested in. He needed a wingman, so I went along for the ride. It were the days of teenage poverty, so we shared a bicycle. As we rode to her house, we had no worries. It is our area, so why care about what time it was? It was about 11.30 at night if I do remember correctly. The area was incredibly dark. It was pretty much like a blackout. I was on the bar of the bicycle looking around as my eyes adjusted to the pitch darkness. But this was not necessary though, as what I saw next lit up not only the line of the house as it flew over, but seemingly the very atmosphere around itself for a good radius of time. It was like a flying bonfire if I had to guess. We saw a huge ball of fire moving over the houses. It was no meteorite, but seemingly a living flame moving as if it had fully sentient mind like a bird of prey sniffing a meal. Imagine a meteorite that is made of spinning and swirling flames, and about four feet in diameter. That is the gist of it. From my extensive knowledge of our local legends, I knew that this was a fire ass, a male Indian vampire and fire elemental. They are regular humans that take upon a demon and evil spirit. They do these things to go about their evil deed to sustain themselves with the blood of the living, apparently. Before they leave their home, they would literally remove their skin to take their true form and place it into a calabash, which is a bottle gourd made from a plant. And then, they would go about seeking fresh blood while traveling as a ball of fire through the air. While they would prefer children and plump adults, they apparently loved to feed on healthy cows and farm animals. They would transform back into their physical form to feed, and then back to a fireball to escape and travel. My dad even gave me a few stories about seeing one at the sugar factory estate a few villages away when he was working there. Knowing what it was, however, he did nothing to quell our growing uneasiness burgeoning on fear. In the back part of the area, there were a lot of local cattle herders and farmers too, so it seemed to be in its hunting grounds. What followed next was more surprising than anything. The ball dipped and seemed to sputter, but I then realized it was making its way into a window of a house at the end of the block. We were both mesmerized by the whole situation, not daring to believe our eyes but having no choice as it was no hallucination. We were both looking at this thing, slack-jawed, standing on the road not more than 100 to 200 feet away from this thing. A few minutes later, we heard a cry. There was a baby in the room, and it was in distress. We panicked and did not know what to do. It was not like we could legally jump in there and help. We began to yell for the people in the house. Maybe they were still awake. Luckily, the father was, and he rushed to the crying baby, and we all watched in shock as the ball of fire launched out the window without breaking the louvre's glass panes. Or... Anything. It didn't even light anything on fire. It was a wooden house, so you would think. At that point, our limit for fear and craziness broke. We both got on the bike and rode to hell, trying to reach home. We did get there eventually, in record time too, and proceeded to try and forget everything we had just witnessed. 
but it was way too vivid of an experience. We discussed it many times over the years, always trying to find some type of way to discover some shred of rationality, but to no avail. That night we both know we saw a fire ass. There is no doubt about it. So, this happened about 10 years ago on the cold Oregon coast, in a small coastal town called Winchester Bay. I was visiting a new friend who was on vacation there in town to visit her grandfather. I know, quite a mouthful, but bear with me. Anyway, at the time, I was a clumsy kid. And, normally, I had her grandpa help me into their boat. It was a sort of small houseboat, if that makes sense. But this time, however... He was not available to help me out, so I had to get on by myself. But as I was placing my foot on the rim, something bumped the boat from below. I heard a huge splash, and suddenly, I was in the frigid waters of the harbor. That was not the scary part. The scary part was when I saw this creature. It was exceedingly long, maybe around 10 to 15 feet. It had a skinny body with short, stubby limbs, a stubby neck muddy brown skin, a long, thin, paddle-shaped tail, and an oval-shaped head filled with interlocking teeth. This was the first time I saw what I would call the Seamander, which I had given it a name to help me tell these encounters. Now, I would have brushed this off as a kid's overactive imagination if I had not encountered them two other times, both times from a distance at night, the first time seeing its head go above the water and the second time hearing one of them swim around in the waterway under a bridge I was crossing followed by snarling. I also would meet two others that would have encounters that fit my description of my previous encounters. One of them having hooked a big creature that began to roar, and the other being stalked along the side of a river late at night. What are these things? I don't know, but they are not a well-known cryptid, so I thought I'd share here on your show and see if anybody in the comments has any idea what the Seamander could be. So two days ago, I was celebrating my friend's birthday. There were probably 12 people at the party in total, and after we got a bit bored, we decided to play a game called Manhunt. It's basically late night hide and seek. Me and two others were tasked with finding each other, and it went easy for the most part, because after around 15 minutes or so, we had found everyone except for two. We searched for about 30 minutes and believed they had gone into a trail leading into the woods behind the house to prank us. The ten of us in a line walked through the trail, and after about five minutes, we started hearing what sounded like the two of them whispering to each other and footsteps beside us. Us thinking it was them, we told them to come out, with no response. We kept on pushing ahead. Eventually, we heard them laughing and giggling clear as day. They both have very distinct laughs because one of them is an incredibly deep voice and the other has a heavy laugh. We stopped in our tracks and investigated the dense patch of thorns and bushes, but it stopped when we were about three steps away. Then... We heard these incredibly heavy footsteps running toward us from the area we heard the laughing. I turned and looked. The footsteps seemed to run into the thicket beside us, 
and just seemingly stopped. It was shaking a lot, but all we saw was a bird staring at us at the top of a tree in the bush. Freaked out, I turned on my flashlight, but there was nothing there. I then FaceTimed one of them to say they won, and he picked up immediately in the front yard with the other guy. It is impossible for them to have gotten there between the footsteps and the FaceTime. We then ran as fast as we could out of the woods and made sure everyone knew that the woods were off-limits for the rest of the game. His dog was also acting very strange. The dog is a very friendly animal who has no fear, mainly because he is too dumb to know what he should fear. Anyway, he heard his dog barking a lot outside, which is very out of character for him, when deer or bears are around. He went outside when it suddenly stopped to find his dog terrified under the porch stairs. After running inside, he continued to whine and cry. It made him think something had hurt him, but when he shut the door, the dog was absolutely fine again. There have also been weird noises, like babies crying or weird yells from the forest. Or even animals that just stare at us with no fear like rabbits, birds, and deer that almost seem to disappear when we look away from them. We have theories about what it could be. The running theory currently is that it's a Wendigo, but I have never heard of them being in upstate South Carolina. I have been hesitant on sharing this story for a while, mainly since I do not want anyone ever thinking that I or any other person in this story is crazy. Although saying this actually happened sounds very cliche, but I can assure you the following stories are true. Now, before I begin the first story, just for a bit of background, I am an intern for a church that does work on a Navajo reservation site helping the community on people's homes like roofing repair, repainting, and interior fixing. 8 to 5, with good pay and nice people, so overall I'm happy with this job. And a bit of a disclaimer, I am not trying to offend Navajo tradition in any way. This is just a first-hand story on what is currently happening on my trip. Over the past two months of internship, I have begun to grow close with some of the residents on the reservation. One lady that I got to know well was the superstitious type, like never be outside at night or other random things such as that. But the biggest taboo, I was to never mention, mainly because I was told by my superiors, was Navajo folklore like skimwalkers and other bumps in the night. However, one day it was quite different in the sense that the question was just burning within me. I was on my lunch break after wrapping up painting parts of her house, and she sits next to me on her porch, and we talk for a while. But I finally feel comfortable enough to ask her about any folklore and stuff like werewolves or anything of that sort. I did not really expect a response. I thought maybe she would quickly say no, then change the topic. But if anything, I was more scared I may offend her. But to my surprise, she turns her head, looking toward the outside scenery, hesitates, but then says, Yes, I know some, and I've experienced it too. She proceeded to tell me a description of the apparent equivalent to a dogman or a werewolf, to paraphrase, she said, Werewolves look like normal people but masked in white paint, covering their face, arms, and chest. Their whole body will be white as a corpse, covered with black symbols, quite possibly related to the devil or something. More specifically, they are grave diggers and necromancers as well, 
They dig bodies up only to steal jewelry, although they may perform other acts to corpses as she quickly strayed away from going into too much detail about that. Werewolves also get their power from the devil. That is how they are able to possess with such supernatural strength and endurance. I was surprised to hear this, although I figured werewolves and dogman and stuff like that would not look anything like they did in Twilight or Scooby-Doo, although deep down, I thought she sounded a bit crazy. Before I could ask more questions about these werewolves, she began to tell me her own interaction with these supernatural beasts. Her story still gives me chills. She explained that one day, she and her husband were driving on the curvy roads alongside the mountains, only to find a woman with her face covered by her hands. She was kneeling in the middle of the road, appearing as though she was crying. The woman looks up towards the car's headlights to reveal the same white paint and sacrificial symbols mentioned previously. Her husband honked his horn and quickly slams on the brakes only to be too late and hears the loud thudding cracking of the woman's bones and splashing of blood all over the windshield. Once she and her husband stop the car safely and process what just freaking happened, they quickly run over to the spot where they hit the woman. However, when they reached the spot, there was no body. But not only that, there was no trace of blood either. Just as a side note, this part of the reservation had some cliffs, but it was relatively flat land, so it would be obvious to tell where someone went, especially if they just got hit by a car. Puzzled by what the possible explanation could be for this occurrence, she and her husband drove back home, trying to neglect the thought that they had just witnessed a werewolf. However, being the non-paranormal believers they were at the time, they tried to just close this occurrence off as them just losing their minds. As interesting as her story was, this got me thinking. Is it possible for this werewolf story to be true? Or is this her own way of describing a skimwalker or another supernatural phenomenon? Because she did not think I knew what a skimwalker was at the time. The question kept circulating through my head. So, as you would expect, the following nights made it harder for me to sleep comfortably. Because of that, during the work days I would feel more and more mentally drained, almost paranoid. At the end of the week, around 6, I was sitting in the car driving back to the church site and was in the mental state of mind where I was half awake and half asleep. My buddy was driving and claimed that he wanted to pull over to the gas station that was near the church to grab a couple of snacks to munch on during our debrief time in our cabin. Since I was too tired to argue, I said fine and laid my face against the window and tried to doze off while I waited for my friend. However, I had the weirdest feeling that I was being watched. So naturally, I opened my eyes and looked out the window. I didn't see a thing. However, when I turned my head at the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a white figure, just as the woman described previously. I looked back, and nothing was there. But I swear, I swear on everything, I saw something. Since it was beginning to get darker outside, I quickly sat up in my seat to readjust my vision. But when I looked back out the window, it was almost as though the figure vanished. Perplexed, I stepped outside the car and looked around, but there was no trace of a creature even existing. My buddy came back out and questioned what the heck I was doing. Debating whether I should tell him, I decided to say, Oh, I was just getting some fresh air. Let's head out. The following days have been even worse for me. My mood is getting worse, I'm feeling way more paranoid, and I think something is out there. And at night, 
I can almost swear that I hear a scream in the far distance. Everything outside just looks 100% scarier to me now, because there is barely any outside light besides the moonlight, so everything has more of an exaggerated appearance. But believe me, I know I sound crazy, but the worst part is, if I tell anyone, they will probably think that I'm actually crazy. So, I've been debating whether I saw this werewolf, dogman, whatever, or if I just was tired and my eyes were playing tricks on me. I hope someone can find some sort of answer to this. I would like to share an encounter I had in 2005 or 2006. I was 10 or 11 years old at the time, and it happened on my grandparents' property out in the country near Denmark, which is southeast of Green Bay. The land out there is mainly farmland, with patches of woods every so often. My grandparents own a few acres of land, and on the far right of their land, there's a thick patch of woods and a swamp that goes on for quite a bit before hitting another farm field. I was standing on the back deck, shooting cans with my BB gun. It was a hot and muggy morning in July, and all morning outside, I just had this eerie feeling that I just could not seem to shake. It was like I was being watched, but every time I would look around the front yard, I could never see a single thing. I would just keep going back to shooting cans when I felt the feeling again. I started scanning the tree lines of the woods. This time is when I saw it. It was standing next to a tree. It was large, larger than anything I've seen around here. When I got older... I went back to that tree to try to get an estimate on the height. I would say it was around seven to maybe seven and a half feet tall. The only way I can compare the body is to that of Arnold Schwarzenegger. This thing was yoked. It is unreal how big its shoulders were. Its arms and chest were also massive. It was almost like this thing worked out daily. It was covered in gray fur that was shaggy and thick on its shoulders and down part of its body. I know when people describe Dogman, you hear a lot of, it looked like a timber wolf standing on two legs, or it had the head of a German shepherd. This was not at all what I saw. The head and face looked like a werewolf. It had pointed ears on the top of its head. Its eyes were yellow and almost seemed to glow even in the daylight, and it was snarling with lips open. It almost seemed to be smiling. The look and smile on this thing's face were pure evil. Sinister is the only way I can describe it. I do not recall if it had a tail or not, and I felt like the legs looked like that of a human and not bent like a dog's. However, I was mainly looking at the head and body, so I can't be sure. After what had only been about 10 seconds but felt like hours, without warning, it broke eye contact with me and took off sprinting to its right. It went through some thick brush, emerged further down the tree line, and took off into the woods. The thing is, no person, no normal human being could clear that. It cleared it in only a matter of seconds, running through very thick brush, at least 50 to 60 yards. Being terrified, I went back into the house and did not go outside for the rest of the day. Funnily enough, my aunt came over later and said, I heard some strange things outside last night. I've been meaning to tell you, but I didn't want to freak you out. I did not tell her what I saw, thinking she would think I was crazy or making it up, but I insisted she tell me. She said she had heard a loud growling and snarling walking around the house the previous night. 
unlike anything she has ever heard before. I still visit my grandparents quite often and have not seen anything since. I have not heard of any other reports from the area, but I know there were a few Bigfoot sightings just down the road back in the 60s or 70s. I've never really heard about encounters from Norway, Scandinavia. Not even really Europe either. But here's my story. For a little bit of background information, I'm a 27-year-old guy from Norway who lives in the western part of the country. I work and have a girlfriend. I'm 194 centimeters tall, or 6'4 in the US. I weigh 230 pounds, I'm fairly athletic, and I'm not really scared of much. But that night... I was intensely scared. I haven't walked, camped, or done anything in the woods ever since. I have been in the woods since, but not in this particular part of the country, I guess I should say. I have always loved the forest. It's so quiet and peaceful. I love being alone, actually. If I have spare time, I always like to do things outside. Whether it be fishing, jogging, playing soccer, basketball, hiking, or whatever, really. Now, on to the encounter. The day was seemingly very normal. It was a Saturday afternoon. I had packed my tent and some food and was heading out to a local mountain. I wanted to go for a one-night camping trip. It wasn't a very difficult hike, but it was a very steep one. After two or three hours, even though I'm in respectable shape, I'm heavy and long, I was pretty tired. I didn't have any mobile phone or a clock with me, but my best guess is that it was around 8pm. It's not that easy to guess the time since the sun is up almost all day and all night, when it's summertime in Norway. It was a nice and clear Norwegian evening. It was the typical summer weather. I made a fire and cooked some food. I had a couple of hot dogs and a pack of marshmallows with me. After a couple of hours, I had eaten my food. I honestly felt a little sick because I probably ate ten too many marshmallows. I'd enjoyed my meal and taking in the heat of the fire, thinking what a lovely evening it was. Eventually, it started to get somewhat dark. I'm gonna have to guess that the time was somewhere around 11pm or midnight. I had planned to kick back and read, but it became a little too dark to do that. Sure, I could see and all, but it became a little hard on the eyes to concentrate on the letters. I probably was a little too tired also. Suddenly, I heard a noise to my right. It sounded like it was coming from a bush. I turned to look in that direction and saw something just standing there. It was standing to my right and kind of ahead of me. I've listened to many reports, and they all say the same thing. This creature normally is between 7 and 9 feet. This one really wasn't that big. I would say it was probably 6 feet at the most, but it shook me hard. In one moment, I was enjoying a nice evening by myself, and in the next moment, I felt extremely startled. It was breathing heavy, like a very tired man, but it sounded animal-like wild and weird. It sounded like it almost had throat problems or had slime stuck in its throat or something. I really don't know how to describe it with writing. I was still sitting there at this point and I just looked at it. I believe I was actually frozen in fear. I have never encountered anything other than a deer in the woods. The most dangerous animal we have in the area is probably a fox. The creature was frozen as well. It was standing on two legs with its arms down at its side. I can't say... How many seconds we were both like this? Of course it felt like forever, an eternity. I couldn't see its eyes because they were dark and kind of in the shadow of its brow or sockets. 
and it also had some hair, but its head was fixated on me. What I could tell was that it was just sitting there, paying attention to what I was doing. I didn't utter a word at it or yell. It just wasn't something I considered doing. I was way too scared to make the first move. Now you know how a cat slowly moves its paw ahead. When it thinks it's safe or when it thinks its prey isn't paying attention. Well, to me, that's exactly what it started doing. This incident ended with me throwing a handful of red glowing sticks from the fire at it. When I did that, it bolted. I haven't seen anything since, but I'll keep you updated if I do. I hope somebody in the comments can help me figure out what this was, but I'm pretty sure it was a dog man. I would start off by saying that this is not my story, but it was such a crazy encounter that I have since asked each of my friends through the years to recount the events. This happened around the year 2000. About a year after this took place, I started dating one of these friends, and that is when I first heard about this dog man or werewolf story. I have since asked each friend over the years and miles apart, and they remember it all the same. Before my ex was even my boyfriend, let us call him Jack, he and our other friends were about 17 to 18 years old. At that age, I remember it being an adventure to find a place to smoke. Let's hike to blank and go smoke, you know, the good old days. It was Jack and his best friend Brent, and their girlfriend Stevie and Megan. The four of them decided to drive to Mount Pisgah, a beautiful wooded area outside of Eugene, Oregon. It is more of a hill, but it's nature in its prime for sure. I have been out there many times growing up, and I know exactly what trail they were on, the main one that connects to the parking lot and the river. They had driven in Brent's little white sedan, parked it in the parking lot, and went over to the river. On the way to the river from the parking lot, there is an exceedingly small bridge that crosses a small creek, relevant for later. The group spent the day out there, swimming and puffing, puffing and swimming, just being typical Oregonian teens. I can imagine that eventually they got hungry, and that's what drove them to go home after a few hours, as the sun began to set. Either activity alone is bound to get someone hungry, let alone both. So, they walked along the well-worn main dirt path to the parking lot. This path has since been paved according to Google Maps. It does not take more than 20 minutes or so for them to get back to the little footbridge by the parking lot that they had crossed when they hiked in. When they reached this small footbridge near the parking lot, Brent looked out into the vast field between them and the wooded mountain and noticed a huge dog near the tree line, about a hundred yards away. They all later described it as the biggest dog they had ever seen in their lives. The dog was just sitting there, not necessarily looking scary or menacing by any means, just looking like a humongous, friendly dog. It was starting to bark, but from Megan and Jack's descriptions, and the drawing she did for me later in about 2005, it was a very shaggy and furry looking dog. I may even still have that notebook where she drew the dog thing. If I find it, I will definitely send it into the show. My friends continued to walk across this small wooden bridge and one of the girls screamed. The big dog was now on its hind legs, standing much closer than what they had seen just a couple of seconds earlier. It had traversed most of the large field in the seconds it took them to cross this 10-foot-long bridge. Whatever this thing was, it was quiet, fast, and stealthy. 
My four friends ran to the car and they had the classic, cliche, I can't get the key in, because Brent was fumbling madly for the keys. At this point, the dog was standing on its hind legs at the very edge of the parking lot, looking at them. Still, it had the dog face. It still had the dog body, but it was standing up. They never saw it walking on all four or just two. It was like every time they looked at it, it would just be standing there, closer. As Jack had said, every time they looked up, this thing was closer but not moving. All of them recounted how surreal it was to see a dog standing on its hind legs. I couldn't tell you for the life of me if it ran for a few ticks and then stood up again, or if it was just teleporting. I don't know. Whatever this thing was was stalking them, though. This was in Lane County, Oregon in the year of 2000. There are few, if any, bears out there. It would be odd, but then again, I was not there. The kids got into the car and sped off, leaving the Pisgah dog to do whatever it wanted to do. I have never had a reason to doubt any of their stories. In fact, Stevie doesn't really like talking about this at all, because it's far too creepy for her. This happened when I was a lot younger. I think I was about 20, and back then, I would often go into the mountains to hunt. By the time night fell, I would set up in a small clearing. I was adding more wood to the fire, and resting at the entrance of my tent was my hunting rifle. I had just reloaded it and cleaned it. I got up to gather some more wood when I heard a noise behind me. I turned around to face the sound, and I saw that my rifle was now missing. A shadowy figure was running towards the trees with something along in its hands. I knew that it must be my rifle. I gave chase, but there was too much distance between us. The shadowy figure slipped into the darkness of the forest. I have no idea why I chased him since he did have a gun, and I did not. The guy was dressed entirely in black and whatever he was wearing looked like fur. For a moment, I thought that it might even be a human. The way it was running was kind of odd though. It kind of leaned forward, with its arms seeming to be a little long. Whatever it was, it looked like it had lived out here in the mountains. It looked feral, and far too big. I had no choice but to run back to my campsite. I felt incredibly uneasy. There were lots of my possessions lying around. He could have taken anything of value, but he didn't. He just took the gun. While I thought about that fact, a chill raced up my spine. I didn't know how much danger I was in at the time, and I was alone in the woods at night. There was a pitch black darkness all around me. Clouds had covered up the moon. There was no way that I was going to be able to sleep that night. I decided to extinguish the campfire. I didn't want to remind this guy of my location. I planned on getting out of the woods as soon as the sun began to rise. I didn't want to be out there walking around in the dark. I grabbed my hatchet kept it in my hand, and waited for the morning to arrive. Thankfully, the night was uneventful and I was safe. At the first sight of morning, I quickly packed up all of my things and started back down the mountain. While I was heading down through the woods, I heard the explosive sound of splintering wood nearby. I saw a bullet hole in a dry tree trunk just a few inches away from me. I immediately thought about my missing gun and the events of last night. I got my head down low and just ran as fast as I could in a zigzagging motion. Like most people do, I had never had any experience running from a shooter like this, 
so I just hoped that this would slow them down or make me slightly harder to hit. I guess I was doing my best to imitate the prey I hunt when they run. I could hear the popping sound of my rifle echoing from behind me and the whizzing sounds of bullets flying through the trees. Honestly, I have never been so terrified in my life. Fortunately for me, the shooter wasn't very good at aiming. While running as fast as I could, I counted the number of shots which were coming my way. When it reached the number of bullets that I had loaded into the magazine, I basically collapsed on the forest ground. He should be out of bullets. The tension was unbearable. All I could hear was my own labored breaths. Then I silenced myself as an alarming thought crept into my mind. What if he was reloading? What if he had another weapon? I was exhausted, but I knew I couldn't take any risk. I needed to run again. Just as I was getting to my feet, I heard something heavy land next to me. It was my rifle. I looked at the barrel and it was bent. I just ran and hoped for the best. I managed to make it down the mountain and back to civilization. I haven't been hunting since. I totally fell out of love with it.